Are you longing for a fresh encounter with God and His Word? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More to Be and host of this podcast. I'm here to help you experience a fresh encounter with God. I believe that the more we seek God and study His Word, the more He'll transform us to be like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. Before we jump into today's episode, don't forget to check out our coaching, mentoring, and Bible study resources, programs, and courses available at More to Be. Your financial support underwrites this podcast. On today's episode, I have a special guest who I've never actually met before. Her name is Shelly Wildman, and she is a writer, speaker, and former professor who lives in Wheaton, Illinois, and is married to her college sweetheart, Brian. She holds degrees in English from Wheaton and University of Illinois at Chicago, but her most important life work has been raising her three adult daughters, Kate, Caroline, and Julia. Shelly is the author of First Ask Why, Raising Kids to Love God Through Intentional Discipleship. She is a passionate traveler and recently started a new business ministry venture called Walkabout, where she takes small groups of women to Europe for a retreat and sightseeing in order to connect with God. You can find Shelly at ShellyWildman.com, where she writes about the adventure of parenting, travel, and a life following Jesus. Of course, that travel would not be happening right now because we are re- <laughs> recording in the middle of the COVID-19 uh, yeah. pandemic. So Shelly, welcome Thank uh, you. to this podcast. We're Thanks glad so to much. have you. I am so happy to be here, Lisa. It's great to be with you and to finally meet you in person. Yeah. It was neat when when um, I saw your name come through my email uh, from Robin Dance, who yeah. I just had on the podcast. Yeah. And I thought this will be great to connect with you because we haven't focused specifically on raising girls, which is something mm-hmm. we can talk about today. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I talk about my girls all the time. Because <laughs> I do they're too. my they're my older ones and my son. <laughs> so I have one son okay. and he um, he's 14 and he's a twin. So my categories become the girls, which yeah. would be my 20-year-old, my 18-year-old, and my 14-year-old, the twins, which are the 14-year-olds, or my son. That's kind of how yeah. It, yeah. it breaks yeah. down. I, um, my youngest, I have three daughters and I have the first two who are two years apart. And then my youngest is another four years after her her middle sister. And, um, when they were younger, I used to always say, you know, the girls, this, the girls, that, and meaning the older two. Uh And one day my youngest stopped me and she said, mom, how come you always talk about Kate and Caroline as the girls and Um. not me? And wow, it stopped me in my tracks. I was like, you're right. I do do that. I've got to stop. So I know, I know. And it's been a challenge in our family because, Mm -hmm. you know, my Caitlin, I think has felt very much like a third wheel Mm -hmm. in a lot of areas of her life because she wasn't yet old enough to do the things with the older girls Mm -hmm. and she wasn't a boy. So she wouldn't necessarily do things that her dad and, you know, brother would do together. And she always kind of had to share me as mom. And so we're in a new season of where she gets me way more than any of the other ones ever did. Yep. And yet she still has this little bit of a mindset of, but when, you know, do I really fit? Am I really important enough? Yes. Uh, So it's amazing what can happen to our identity just by birth order. Yes. It's so true. It is amazing how it's, it's a, it's a thing (laughs) that birth order. It's a thing. So, you know, we're in the middle of this COVID-19. I'm on day 20, 
three of stay-at-home orders. Mm -hmm. Are you in a stay-at-home order situation? I think, oh yeah, I'm outside of Chicago. So okay. we've, I think we're in week three. So we're about a week maybe behind you, but yeah. I felt like Pennsylvania, are you in Pennsylvania? Yeah, I'm in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I felt like you guys started your stay-at-home order after we did, but I don't know. I'm losing track, honestly. I know. I know. I'm losing track of the days. I, I just have no idea where we're at. And honestly, I, for me, I feel like it's not that helpful to count, you know? Yeah. Because they they keep saying, you know, at least our governor has said April 30th, we're going to be out of this. You'll, you know, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. I have a, a daughter who works in healthcare and um, uh, she has a little more insight than I think yeah. our governor might have. Well, you know, maybe he's got it. I'm sure he's got insight, yeah. but she definitely tells us kind of what she hears. And um, it's, it's just hard to think about what, yeah. what she's telling us how yeah. long we're going to be at home. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I felt the overwhelm when the dates kept on getting extended. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm just telling myself August just so yeah. that I mentally like don't yeah. anticipate the release at some point. And exactly. You know, uh, Jim Elliott, it has a, a statement that has been one of my favorite quotes of all time, wherever you are, be all there. Yeah. And, that's so and good. that's yeah. where I'm trying to focus. Like, okay, this is where I am. Mm -hmm. How do mm -hmm. I be in this moment? Yeah. Not live in the, what could have not live in the, what will be, but, right here. Right. And I think that is the best advice that we can give to, you know, people who are really struggling through this. Yeah. I, I, I think we just have to be in the moment. We have to be where we are right now mm -hmm. and um, find some sort of joy in it yeah. <laughs> as much yeah. as we can. Um, yeah. You know, there's lots to say. We can, we can continue, uh, you know, all yeah. of that, but, um, but yeah, I think that's really good advice. I don't, I don't think we can think, oh, April 30th, we're released. I keep calling yeah. it prison. I shouldn't, yeah. but yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. it's yeah. kind of what it feels like sometimes, but yeah. you know, we can't think April 30th, I'm done with this. Mm -hmm. We're not done with this. We're not going to be done with this for a long, long time. So yeah. I yeah. have so far canceled four trips. I'm in the process of canceling a fifth right now. Mm. Um, and then my... Uh, the little business that you talked about in my introduction. Yeah. My first, I, this is the year my husband keeps laughing. He's like, great year to launch a travel uh, business shell. But uh, my first trip is the first week of September. So it's not canceled yet. Um, hoping, hoping, hoping that we will be able to go, but yeah. you know, we'll see. We'll you'll see. see. You'll see. So, so uh, why don't you, Bring us back to as early as you want to go and give us a little backstory on your life and okay. how your faith, like this is the question I would love for us to explore. Mm -hmm. How has your faith influenced how you're facing this crisis right now? Mm -hmm. You, I, We at More To Be are always studying the word of God. And this year, 2020, we are doing um, the Encounter God Bible study where every week we're studying a different name of God. Oh, and, love that. Yeah, really like who is God and who mm -hmm. is God in this moment? And so mm. kind of uh, how did that shape, how has your life been shaped to see who God is to you right now? Mm -hmm. And how have you integrated that into passing it on to your children? I love that. 
such a good question. I think I could talk for an hour on that. Well, I'm just going to sit back and listen. <laughs> so buckle up. Here we go. Yeah. Um, okay. So you said to go back as, as far as I want. I will go back to my childhood. I was raised on a farm in Illinois. I have lived in Illinois my entire life, which is really unusual. Most people are getting out of here and I wish I could. I've prayed for escape and I'm still here, but, uh, but it's okay. It's great. I was raised on a farm in the cornfields of Illinois and I had two sisters and I had one brother. Mm. And when uh, I was 11 years old, my brother was nine. He mm. went to summer camp and he drowned while he was oh. there. And um, yeah, so as you, I know so everybody sorry. said, oh, I can't imagine how parents, you know, how do you live through that? Well, you know what you do? Yeah. You put one foot in front of the other. You trust God and you do. Mm. Back when that happened, it was in the 1970s. Um, we didn't go to counseling. We didn't have help. My parents were busy. They were farmers. They, mm. you know, they were just trying to hold it together. And so I really was left to kind of figure it out on my own. Mm. Um, we went to church. I wouldn't say, I mean, church was a really important part of our lives. Mm -hmm. But it was more when I got into high school that um, I really got to know Jesus mm -hmm. and my faith became my own. But um, <clears throat> when I was about 14, my church took a missions trip to um, Mexico. And mm -hmm. when we, we flew to California, we met up with a youth group from California. And then the two youth groups went down to Baja, Mexico together to work at an orphanage. And while we were there, I made friends, really good friends with one of the girls from California. And one night we were laying on the floor in our sleeping bags and we were talking, mm. getting to know each other. And she asked me about my family. And I said, well, you know, I have two sisters. And she said, what, what does your dad do? And he's, I said, well, he's a farmer. And she stopped and she said to me, wait, your dad's a farmer. And he doesn't have a son to pass the farm on to. And I was like, oh, you're right. Well, I said, well, I did have a brother, but he died. And he was my dad's only son. Mm. And the minute I said those words, he was my dad's only son. It was like a lightning bolt from heaven came down through the ceiling into my brain and the words of John 3.16 came into my mind. For God mm. so loved the world that he gave his only son. Mm. And I knew very well that my dad would never, you know, um, willingly give up his only son. Right, right, right. It, right. it, it happened. And mm. I knew how hard it was. I knew the sadness. I knew the grief. And yet um, God spoke to me in that moment mm -hmm. because I knew what losing a son meant. Mm -hmm. I knew what losing an only son meant. And it wasn't, you know, it's not a trivial thing. It is no. a very great thing mm -hmm. that God did for me because he loved me so much. Mm -hmm. And that Losing my brother and the words of John 3.16 impacted my life forever. Wow. And so 
I think at that moment, God used that to just show me that he is worth following. He mm. is worth dedicating my mm. life to. Mm. And so that's what I did. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. So that then impacted everything in my life, yeah. especially my parenting, I would say, because yeah. I knew that I could lose my kids at any moment. Oh, I yeah. knew that they were a gift from God and that, you know, they could be taken away from me. Yeah. But interestingly, God gave me another gift. And I would say that it was the gift of, of faith, the ability to trust him in hard things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when my oldest daughter was growing up, I mean, when my, my girls were growing up, I had this, oh, I don't know what, it, what you would call it, but um, just a thought, probably, I think from the Lord saying, you're going to need to send your kids to summer camp. Oh, of course. And, yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Lord, thanks. Of course. I know. I know. And you know, I had a choice to make. I could have been the mom who said, yeah. absolutely not. I know what happens at summer camp. I am not going to put my kids in danger. Sure. Sure. But I had another choice that I could make, and that was to trust God. Yeah. And so I... I told my husband early on, I said, um, we're going to have to send our kids to camp. And he was like, okay, you know, whatever. And so um, there's a camp. Uh, I, I taught at Wheaton College for many years. And there's mm -hmm. a camp associated with Wheaton College. It's called Honey Rock Camp. And it's in um, northern Wisconsin. Okay. Wonderful, wonderful camp. And so my daughter, when she was 10 years old, it was the first year that she was able to go to camp. Mm -hmm. And I sent her, I, mm. there's a bus that goes here right from the campus. And, um, I put her on a bus and they drove seven hours North and she was gone for two weeks and it was the hardest thing I've probably ever done. Yeah, um, absolutely. Just a time for me to say, okay, God, you know, I'm giving her into your hands this situation is completely out of my control. Yeah. I understand the consequences potentially. I understand the danger that could be there, but I also understand how big you are. And mm -hmm. I understand that you have a plan for my child as well as for me. And you will, you'll do what you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I sent her to camp. She had a great time. I ended up, we, my husband and I, ended up sending all of our kids to camp, and they spent almost every summer at camp, starting out with two weeks, moving on up to being gone the entire summer. Wow. They were, you know, counselors, workers, you know, service team members, whatever, but they, they would be gone for the whole summer. Yeah. So, um, to follow that up, though, you know, it, it's enough to send your kids to camp. Yeah when it's a scary thing, yeah. but years later, um, when each of my girls were 16, I also had a word from the Lord, I think. <laughs> and like I said, I am a really passionate traveler and I really wanted to take my girls to England. England is a very big part of my personal story. I love it there. It has mm -hmm. my heart. 
And I wanted to take a trip one-on-one with each one of my girls. Mm. And so when they turned 16, we did a mother-daughter trip. Wow. So when Julia, my youngest, was in England, we met up with a friend who I met through blogging, actually, who lives outside of Oxford. And we had lunch in her home and it was lovely. We were just, you know, it was so great to meet her face to face. And I had my daughter with me and she was so insightful. She asked Julia an important question. She said, Julia, you know, besides your parents, what would you say impacted your faith more than anything? Mm. And I thought, oh, she would say our church or youth group or friends or whatever. She thought about it for a minute, gave it some really good thought. And she said, you know, I would have to say my time at camp in the summers had the biggest impact on me spiritually. Mm. And it makes me cry when I think about this story. And I tell this story because I think about how I could have kept my children from that place. I could have held them close to me. I could have done what I thought was protecting my kids. Mm -hmm. And yet God used that place and those experiences in their life Mm -hmm. to draw them to him. And I would say it's true for all three of my kids that that they grew exponentially through camp. So you know, that's wow. just a big part of my, my story. My, um, my mind's like racing hundred miles an hour because <laughs> I, I could, I could feel that the tension of that decision to send your children to the very kind of place and not the camp, but yeah, con- you know, content context wise. Yes. And I would imagine that the first time was probably the hardest, but it was hard. Did mm-hmm. you find yourself overcome with fear and anxiety at any points throughout the years? <laughs> um, yes, yes, um, yes. Especially when they would tell me stories later, like uh, yeah. the time the bear came scratching up against a tent and, yeah. uh, you know, came into their camp, the times that, you know, they, they this camp is um, really wants to throw kids into the deep end of the water and watch them swim. Yeah. And that's, that's really how it works. And so, yeah, I, I would have moments. Yeah. The very first time I sent Kate to camp, oh my goodness, I sat down in a chair and I don't think I moved for four hours. I just yeah. was frozen. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah it yeah. was crazy. It's, so. it's fascinating to me from a, from a trauma perspective. Uh-huh. Uh, so um, I am, I'm going through certification for trauma focused equine uh, psychotherapy. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And so I will be at the end of the certification, both the equine specialist of working with a horse, but oh, also so cool. coach working with a client and, yeah. and a partner of an equine specialist. And so uh, the entire training is understanding the impact of trauma on your brain mm-hmm. and then also understanding how to regulate the brain so that you move out of that flight, fright, and freeze yes. place to the cognitive ability. So the trauma happened when, you know, your brother was nine and you said, how old were you? 11. 11. Mm-hmm. Um, but your, your brain retains that mm-hmm. information. Mm-hmm. And any, any circumstance in which that fear is triggered again, uh, elicits a response, right? Mm-hmm. And so 
It is, when you said it, it was a gift of faith that God gave you, that is the truest statement mm. ever. Mm. Because your natural uh, God-designed yeah. <laughs> biochemistry, neurobiology would be, no, no, that caused harm. Yes. Go away from harm. Yes. You, know, you either fight it in a hypervigilant way yeah. or you run from it. Right. And running from it would have been the natural response of, I will never send my children to summer camp. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. You know, honestly, I think really God is using it, has used the, my mm -hmm. experience, especially when I talk to young moms, yeah. because I think rather than fleeing, like yeah. you said, from yeah. those situations, we really have to seek the Lord and his will for yeah. us and his, his calling on our lives and on our kids' lives. Yeah. Because again, if I had, if I had followed my natural instinct yes. to hold my kids close, to protect them from any harm, mm -hmm. then I would have kept them from the opportunity of knowing the Lord in a deeper way. Yes. I can't do that for them. I can't be that for them. Yeah. I need to let them go yeah. so that they can have opportunities to rely on God, not on me, yeah. to rely yeah. on God. Absolutely, 100%. And every mama listening right now needs to soak that in because for them, it's not a brother and a, a summer camp situation, right. but it is... COVID-19 yes. and the yes. fear of germs, right? Yes. There's, yes. there's going to be something in all of our lives. And so one thing I'm curious about is, you know, that, that time when you made the decision with your husband to send your, your oldest off to summer camp, what was going on around you as an individual adult woman? Like, mm -hmm. what was your community of support and people like at that time? Well, I've been in a very supportive church for 35 years. Okay. And so, you know, I had, um, you know, strong teaching, strong mentorship, strong um, Bible studies. So I knew God's word. Mm -hmm. I, I had good support, I would say. But yeah. in terms of making the decision, I don't think we talked to really anybody about mm -hmm. it. It was just, mm -hmm. you know, my husband and I and just both feeling convinced that this was what God wanted for our kids. Yeah, yeah. Well, I asked because <clears throat> my, if I can draw some conclusions, and I might yeah. be wrong on this. No, so please, I'm interested. As, as the, like, the word of God here. But... <laughs> one of the ways that the brain heals from trauma is through patterned, predictable, and rhythmic experiences that mm -hmm. come through, especially relationships. Mm -hmm. And so you said some key words, like you said you were in a stable place for 35 years. Mm -hmm. You were in a place that preached truth consistently for mm -hmm. 35 years. You were around mentorship. So even though you weren't cognizant of it, there was, there's the God's provision of healing. Yes. Yes. And, and causing stability and, and regulation in you, that regulation enables you to move out of the brainstem into the neocortex mm. to think clearly. Mm -hmm. So you were not only able to acknowledge the fear, 
which you were aware of, but you were able to move up your brain to think in alignment with God's word and truth. Yes, yes, yes. And make the decision. So sure, you didn't necessarily have to go to a dozen different people and ask, what should I do? Mm -hmm. But their presence in your life. Yes. And here's, okay, here's proof of that. I left this part out of the story. But on the very first day when I took my daughter over to campus and I put her on a bus, I was standing there trying really hard to hold it together for my other two yeah. because I mean, they didn't yeah. need to be dragged into that and my reliving grief and whatever. So I was trying really hard to hold it together. And I had my, my closest friend, she's still one of my very dearest friends. She walked up to me. She was there too, putting her son on the bus and she walked up to me, gave me a little hug. She just whispered in my ear, uh-huh. I know this is a hard day for you. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And that's all she said. Yep. And I said, thank you. I'm trying really hard not to cry. Yeah. Then I had another friend who is so dear as well. Yeah. And, uh, and my, my first friend just kind of walked away. She didn't, you know, hang around. She just let me be which was so wise. Yeah. <laughs> I had another sweet friend walk up to me, give me the biggest hug. And she said, Shelly, I remember you telling me about your brother today must just be so hard. And then I lost it. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it is really hard. And I really don't need to be remembered about this right now. But yeah. you know what? That was, it was her way of acknowledging it too. And that was fine. Later on in the day, I, as I was sitting frozen in a chair, there was a knock at my front door and there was this beautiful bouquet of flowers from that second friend. And I will never forget just how sweet and generous that was just to know that she was with me in this. She knew how hard this was. So yeah. See, that's it. That's it. God has provided his people to be his love and his healing work to move us beyond our trauma so that you know he can redeem the years the locusts have eaten which is what he did absolutely oh he did that for your girl anyways yeah but he did that in in you and i i imagine i mean another part of it that you may not even realize would be a part of it but my you know my husband is a christian school teacher Okay. And this morning, um, I I come down the stairs and I hear the head of school over his phone, and I was like, "Oh, is like my hair wasn't (laughs) done." I was like, "Yeah." Oh no! And he he said, "No, we're having devotions," and and so, but he was Stephen was muted, and and I sat with him and I sat in on devotions, which I and and they were praying, and multiple people were praying for the Mm. different needs of the community together, and I like. I could, couldn't keep it together. Like mm-hmm. I really wanted to lose it because mm-hmm. I got a preview or not, not a preview, um, a, a view into what his life looks like five days a week. Yeah. And that's community. And I would imagine being at Wheaton, mm-hmm. you had the fellowship mm-hmm. around you that was built into your job mm-hmm. that may have not felt like something, mm-hmm. but it was also another Oh, contributing factor. Yeah. Yeah. This community is unbelievable. I mean, we're so blessed to live here. Honestly, it's, it's great. Right. Right. So there's, and we know a lot of Wheaton people because, um, 
when we were at the boarding school in New York, there were a bunch of Wheaton grads. Okay, so yeah. I probably could do we some We probably have shopping. plenty of people in common. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, so we have an affinity for Wheaton. Um, yeah, yeah. And so there again, I think I think some take homes for the gals that are listening, uh, and maybe dads and, and mm-hmm, men, mm-hmm. is that um, we were not meant to walk through difficult things alone. And right. so now we're in the middle of social distancing. Yeah, right, right. right. And you know, yeah, I wanted to bring it back to today too. As yeah. a as a parent of adult children, yeah you kind of never stop worrying. Honestly, my mom used to say little people, little problems, big people, big problems. And boy, is she right. That's the truth. (laughs) So now I am a parent of three adult children and all three in this COVID time period have their own special issues that can would have the potential to cause me a lot of fear as a parent. Yeah. My oldest daughter just got married last August. She's 28. She and her husband live in Seattle. So oh. they they are on week, I think, six now of being quarantined. Mm. And, you know, I could get very worried about them and their situation but every day you just turn it over to the Lord. You just are like, I cannot, I can't be God for them. I yeah. have to pray for them. And honestly, as a parent of an adult child, we pray more than we've ever prayed. Yep. It's, oh yep. goodness, prayer is, it's about really the only thing we can do right now. Yeah. We feel helpless. Yep. So, you know, we pray for them. We check in on them. And honestly, my oldest is such an up eat. She's a seven on the Enneagram and she is like, whoa, always upbeat. And, um, every time I call her, you know, how are you doing, hon? You know, I mean, you're on week six or seven and she's like, oh mom, we're doing okay. You know, we're doing fine. You know, praise God. She got married. She's got this wonderful husband with her. And you know, that's a real blessing that I know that she's not alone. Right. Um, so that's really good. My, yeah. my um, youngest is a senior at Wheaton College, actually. Mm. <laughs> and so um, she is missing out on yeah. everything right now. Um, she's interviewing for a job and who knows, yeah. this is a terrible job market. So, yeah. I, yeah. you know, there, she's home right now, but there are concerns for her too yeah. as well. But I want to, I do want to share, my middle daughter is a physical therapist at a uh, hospital in Chicago. Wow. And uh, she works with traumatic brain injury. And so (sighs) her job is, she has to keep doing her job because people still have brain injuries despite, you know, other people getting COVID. But just this weekend, she called us. She had been... um, Okay, so what the situation is, is they've closed all the outpatient clinics and they've brought some of the physical therapists from outpatient to the hospital. Mm. So Caroline, being in the position that she's in, is relegated to um, taking temperatures and screening people before they come into the hospital. And so, okay, yeah, we could be really concerned about that. We're always do you have a mask? Do you have PPE? What is going on? Like when you go to work, are you okay? Yeah. She's like, well, you know, we don't 
have very many masks and we have to hide them from the, vis well, they can't have visitors now, but at the beginning she yeah, said yeah. we had to hide them from the visitors because people kept stealing them. Wow. But you know, anyway, so this weekend she called us and she said, mom and dad, I need a little advice. Um, they are looking for volunteers to work on the COVID floor. <gasps> so patients who have been exposed or might potentially have the virus, they are setting aside a couple of floors in her hospital. Because it's a rehab hospital, they don't have an emergency room, they don't do acute care, but if they have patients who need to be in the hospital who have been exposed, then they move them to this COVID floor. Mm -hmm. And she said, they're looking for volunteers to work on the COVID floor, what do you think? And we were like, wow, okay, that's big. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. huge. Mm -hmm. um, this was Saturday night. We said, or no, Friday night she called us. And, and we said, how about if we all pray about it and let's talk in the morning and see how we're feeling? Yeah. So we did. We, she called us Friday or Saturday morning and she said, okay. I want to know what you're thinking. She said, mom, you never tell me what you think. I want to know what you're thinking this time. And I yeah. said, okay, I will tell you. I said, I am scared. It is, you know, very scary. Mm -hmm. But I said, I also trust God. And I believe that if he is calling your heart to do this kind of work and to volunteer in this really important way, I am so proud of you. Mm -hmm. And she said, mom, I am single. I right now she has two roommates, but they're both left. And she said, I'm living alone. I am the, I'm young and I'm healthy. She said, mm -hmm. I am the perfect person to do this. Wow. And so I think I'm going to do it. And we both said, okay, you have our blessing because God will watch over you. He will protect you. And you know, yeah. even if he doesn't, he's with you. So. Yeah. Yeah, and that that is the a great example for the rest of us of, you know, I, I will trust both in God's provisions mm -hmm. and in his final authority, yeah. whatever that may look like. And yeah. it always goes back to this is I hope this doesn't sound trite at all, but facing the giants movie had such <laughs> a huge impact on my life and my family when my kids were young. And and that one scene where uh, coach says, we will praise God if we win and we will praise God if we lose. He That's will right. get the glory no matter what. That's right. And every time I'm in a situation where I feel like I, I know that I cannot control the outcome, but I can ask God for my desires, that, me, that my words always end with, Lord, I will praise you if you do, and I'll praise you if you don't. And that mm -hmm. is my commitment at the onset. Yeah. Your will be done, not mine. Right. You know, and, and in I know uh, we're going to turn to Philippians uh, chapter two to look at a key verse that you had mentioned. I find it so interesting. I'm, I'm reading through um, uh, the Bible in a year, which I'm a little bit behind. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I set apart the four chapters of Philippians. I wanted to read them from beginning to end mm -hmm, in one sitting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was just something about that. And I just read that this past week, which is funny because so I hadn't known awesome. that you had pulled it out. But you know, back to your daughter, like she is fulfilling this verse that you've asked her. Yeah. Yeah. And actually over her. she had said to me a couple, a week or so ago, she said, mom, it, the hardest part of being isolated the way I am right now is not being with my church 
because mm -hmm. she said, but she said, going to work is my mission right now. She said, I am the only bright light in the hospital. Yeah. And I was like, oh, she got it. She got it. She got it. She oh, got I'm it. So proud of her. Which is so, so interesting because, okay, so we're going to turn to, to Philippians chapter mm -hmm. two. Mm -hmm. um, and, and two thoughts, two thoughts are coming to my mind. One, mm -hmm. uh, what I was going to say is that this is, you know, when we say, Lord, your will be done. It is in the remembrance of the fact that we are citizens of heaven, which Paul writes about in the book mm -hmm. of Philippians, that this is not our, this is not our final destination. We're temporary residents, yeah. foreigners in this land. Yeah. And having that perspective is, is essential to living with a, an eternal mindset to saying, I'm sending my kids off to camp in the face of harm. I am saying yes to this for my children in the, in the face of fear, because this isn't our our final mm -hmm. destination. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. I just want to clarify too. It is not that we're being irresponsible. No, we are praying these decisions through. Yeah. We are following what we feel God is calling us to do yes. and, and, and following his will above our own. Yes. Yes. So it's not about being irresponsible and putting no. our children in harm's way or no. danger in any way. Yeah. It's, it's really about following, you know, what God's calling us, convicting our hearts. Of. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and there, there's wisdom to that. There's a situation that we walked through a couple of years ago um, where a boy from our church was killed in a car accident uh, on his way home from visiting a friend. And the, the, the three days later, my middle daughter says, mom, I'm going to go down to the beach with, with my friend and we're going to drive down there. And I was like, no way what are you nuts like you know first off you're never her, getting in a car again <laughs> right she was she was seven 16 17 at the time you know my husband was out of town my son was at sleepaway camp mm -hmm. i was like i cannot have one more family member yeah. put themselves in harm's way no right. way right well uh we ended up letting her go <laughs> because we worked through the 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 balance between fear and wisdom mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. fear was no you're not going at all yeah wisdom was you're not driving at night down there in the rain exactly exactly you guys can get up tomorrow morning yeah when it's daylight the rain has passed and drive then that's right so yeah. and i cried for two hours until sure. she got to the beach because i was still you know I racked know. with fear and yet the, the, that was, okay, where's the balance of wisdom and that's so good. Yes. That's exactly right. it. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so picking up at verse 12, uh, of Philippians two, therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed. So now not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. I, that is not lost on us that that the work of our salvation is not easy work right it is it is understanding that christ died for us and what yep. does that mean for us and then what does that mean for our kids mm -hmm. verse 13 for is god who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose mm -hmm. do everything without grumbling and arguing so you may be blameless and pure children of god who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world yeah. by holding firm to the word of life. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That has really been a key verse for me. And it's really, you know, just to, to talk about the book I wrote for just a quick second, it's, it's really kind of the key for me. The book I wrote is called First Ask Why, and it really encourages parents to think about why you're doing what you're mm-hmm. doing as a parent. Mm-hmm. Why are, you know, why do we have kids? Why do we, you know, why did God put us in this group of people together on this earth? Yeah. It is yeah. not just to, you know, play games and have a good time. Right. We are here to be those bright lights yeah. in a crooked, and twisted generation. We are living in really crooked times, really twisted times, and really fearful times. And then God calls us as a family to, you know, shine that light in the darkness. That's what we're here for. Right. Which is what your daughter is doing. And it's not lost on me this morning. I, I was in Proverbs and I wrote this down, uh, Proverbs 22.6 in the CSB version. It's not as familiar as it would be in the NLT or NIV. Start a youth out on his way. Mm. Even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And so, yeah. so you started your girls out mm-hmm. on the way. You modeled it for them. You know, mm-hmm. I, think, I think of how Paul says, um, imitate, imitate me as me. I imitate imitate Christ. Right. So you, you modeled stepping into fear. I'm sure the girls knew that you lost your brother. Mm -hmm. How, and yet mom, if my mom could send me off to sleepaway camp, Mm -hmm. yeah, you didn't even have to say anything. You modeled it. Yeah. So why wouldn't your daughter right now not fear death? Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, And it sounds like she's made some wisdom-based decisions that are so aligned with God's character and, and thought just by saying, mom, I live alone. Right. Mama, I'm not, I'm not bringing this home to roommates. I'm not bringing this home to grandparents. Right. I'm yeah. the one that should answer this call for such a time as this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think you, you, you asked early on in our conversation, you know, just kind of like a, a thread or a theme or whatever, mm-hmm. or what God has taught me in my life. I think all along he has asked me, you know, do you trust me? Mm-hmm. Will you trust me? And there have been so many other circumstances that I could point to where God has clearly asked me, are you going to trust me right now? Because mm-hmm. I am trustworthy. I am yeah. faithful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you just triggered uh, another scenario. This whole COVID thing for me is, it could be very mm-hmm. stressful. My mom lives in Texas and um, she has stage four cancer. <sighs> and she is in lockdown and where she and my dad live, they're in lockdown and she is allowed thankfully, to leave to get her treatment. She is not eligible for chemo. She, um, you know, we don't know how long she has. Okay. Okay. But, um, but that's another area where God is just saying to me day by day by day, will you trust me? Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I have to hold on to the hope that, you know, my mom is doing okay for now. And I will be able to be with her again. And, you know, yeah. 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 Live, 
We're, we all have different ways that we are, are living in a little bit of fear and a mm -hmm. whole lot of faith, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so yeah, uh, finding that balance. And I would say for anyone who's listening, uh, if, you're, if you're struggling to cling to the faith, at, because the fear is overtaking you like a tidal wave, mm -hmm. talk to somebody. Yeah. Talk to somebody, call a friend, call your yep. pastor, call a counselor, call yeah. your doctor. Yeah. Like uh, the, the fear it is, is huge. It is. It's real. It it's is real. real. It's yeah. real. Um, and it can swallow us mm -hmm. very easily. Yeah. But I would also say, hold on to the truths in God's word. He, yeah. boy, uh, we have more time now, obviously. Yeah. And I have spent a lot more time every morning just reading and I'm doing the Bible in a year thing too. And, yeah. uh, you know, reading and reflecting and writing and, yeah. and just every single day, God speaks yeah. to me through his word. So, yeah. you know, that is, has been a lifeline. It is, yeah. It's interesting. Um, I'm actually, I have less time. Yeah, I, 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 know. I wish I had, <laughs> I wish I had more time, but we are we're sleeping later, which is lovely. And then I'm interrupted, and my routines are all off. Mm -hmm. So I've had to pick up a new habit of putting on worship music. I usually yeah. enjoy silence. Yeah, you know, I have a long quiet time, a lot of silence. But now, my brain is wanting to be anxiously overwhelmed, and so. Yeah. That worship music on Spotify playlist, I just hit play. Yeah, I found that really helpful too. Changes where I'm at and then redirects me back into a place of, okay, what does God have to say about this? Mm -hmm. What is his truth that I can cling to? Right. In yep. these uncertain times. Yeah. Yep. So thank you so much, Shelly, for this well, conversation. Thank you. Yeah. Was, for so all good. of those who are listening, it took us a half and stinking hour <laughs> to get our tech to work. So... <laughs> So the enemy did not want this conversation to happen. But oh, no kidding. Prevailed. Yes. Yeah. And thank you for your persistence and just, yeah, for having me. It's just yeah. a delight. Likewise. Would you be willing to pray us out? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Father, we cling right now to who you are. You are faithful. You are good. You have the entire world in the palm of your hand. We know this. We know the truth about who you are. And we can find it if we're not sure in your word because you've told us. Yes, and so, Father, we thank you today. We praise you for who you are. We praise you for being in control. We praise you for loving us. We praise you for coming. We praise you especially. For, for your son Jesus, for what he did on our behalf. We thank you, God, for giving your only son for us because you loved us so much. God, we um, lift up anyone who's listening right now who is feeling fearful. Lord, I pray that you would um, be their comfort, be their guide, and show them, Lord, that ultimately, Ultimately, if we are in you, we have nothing to fear. You are uh, so good, and we praise you. I do pray, Lord, for um, those who are sick, those who are needing a touch of your, 
your hand, your healing, your grace. We thank you, Father, for healthcare workers and pray for them at this time, especially one that I know very well. <laughs> and Lord, um, uh, we just pray that your mighty hand would stop this situation that's going on right now. Lord, in the meantime, teach us more about who you are and, um, and who we are in you. I thank you, Father, for this time and for this morning and this time with Lisa. Bless her ministry. Bless all who here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Shelley. Thank you. This has been sweet, sweet, yeah. sweet. Really good to be with you. Yeah. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the More to Be podcast. I pray, we both pray, that you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. This podcast is made possible through your financial support. To become a supporter, visit the More to Be shop and join the sisterhood. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.